If you ask me or anyone helping people with career transitions what the most powerful tool is in testing the waters and in growing your network when preparing for job hunting, you will most certainly hear these two words, informational interviews. Today's guest has invested strongly in this exercise, so much so that he's published a book based on his learnings and on the conversations he's had about career exploration. You, once you, you push yourself out there and you uh, just try to uh, ask people for their time, they'll be you know more than happy to help. And that that was also for me like uh, something surprising because I was as as you as you mentioned, I was like, oh, I don't wanna um, you know bother these people and stuff like that. I didn't feel confident uh, in uh, in asking uh, you know their time to talk to me and stuff. But actually, you know, they've been through that as well. They were uh, you know in your shoes before, so they they're really you know more than happy to uh, help you out so that was kind of surprising for me welcome to papa phd with david mendez the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. So, welcome to this week's episode of Papa PhD. This week, I have the pleasure of having with me Matteo Tardelli. Matteo describes himself as a PhD looking into a leap into industry. He's currently a research scientist in biochemistry and medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine and is the author of The Salmon Leap for PhDs, a book where he explores this question of transitioning from academia into the private sector. Welcome to Papa PhD, Matteo. Thanks for having me, David. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I always like having people on the show who uh, have thought enough about this question of making the move, uh, you know, outside academia to write a book about it. Sure. And um, of course, we'll talk about your your book uh, later on, and and maybe even what was the process of of researching for it and writing it. Mm -hmm. But um, well, let's start from the beginning, and I'll let you introduce yourself, and then you know, talk a little bit about your current position. You know what it is, what what it entails, and then from there, we'll go to the journey of how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm actually originally from Italy, and um, but right now I work as a postdoctoral scientist at Wacornell uh, Medicine here in New York City. And um, I think life and work brought me uh, to some extent to live and experience different uh, countries and cultures. And that was really interesting so far. But um, I just want to give you a little bit of a, a background um, on my uh, career journey. And um, I think, first of all, after my master's uh, degrees in Florence, I, I just wanted to get a job at some point. Mm -hmm. So that's why I uh, moved to London and I started working for a private pharmacy. And that was for like a couple of years. And but after that, I decided for that I really wanted uh, more education. So I then applied for a PhD, and I actually found uh, one in uh, in Austria at the Medical University okay. of Vienna. So um, then, you know, after my PhD and everything, I started actually my first postdoc, which was um, 
in the same institution, um, but just in another lab. And that led to my, uh, you know, current position here in the US. And that's been, you know, almost a couple of years, uh, also here. So, and I think this, my second postdoc was really, uh, interesting for me because I must say I really developed, uh, further expertise outside academia. And I think that was really interesting, a little bit more interesting than the first one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, I started working, um, as a part-time consultant and then okay. as a team lead, uh, uh like part-time for pre-scouter, uh, which is a consulting company, uh, you know, for healthcare and these kind of things. And also what was really interesting as well that was that I started volunteering for um, some uh, postdoctoral associations, such mm-hmm. as the MPA, so the National Postdoctoral Association here in the US in the outreach committee, and also uh, for uh, INET New York City, which is a local uh, networking um, kind of association for uh, PhDs and postdocs. So okay. I think these, all of those experiences together, which were, you know, outside uh, the classic academic path, uh, got me to my uh, later, latest um, side hustle, which was, in fact, writing my book, uh, The mm-hmm. Summer Leap for PhD and publish it on Amazon. So I think especially, uh, you know, the second uh, part uh, of my postdoc was really an interesting one that uh, got me to understand, you know, other ways uh, outside the tenure or the classic tenure track uh, positions super interesting well can you go a little bit more about that you know you were you know you were going along your way the academic you know you had this image of the academic path and then you saw something different can you talk a little bit about what that was or maybe who there are probably people that you saw or that you met can you talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. what that click was that, (laughs) that change And, uh, well, so basically I really understood that at some point that I did not want to become a PI myself. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, um, I think there was a little bit of a wake up call when you, when you kind of understand that, uh, you don't want to have your, your boss's job basically. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think I wasn't really good at writing grants and, uh, and, uh, this, this kind of thing. So I, I was just, you know, starting to inform myself on, uh, on what's, uh, what's the alternative to that. And to be honest, at the beginning, it was a kind of, uh, overwhelming, um, because, um, I don't know. The thing with, with academia is that, you know, you don't really get to experience, um, a lot of the outside uh, kind mm. of, um, job landscape. So once you've, uh, you know, you start applying and trying to understand what's out there, uh, it's really kind of complicated to understand. So my first, uh, kind of point was, uh, trying really to understand like the meaning of these job positions. You get these, you know, uh, I, I don't know, uh, upstream, downstream scientists, CMC scientists, uh, CRAD, all these really like difficult acronyms that you don't really understand. So mm-hmm. in this process was really like important for me to, uh, first of all, really um, tackle the meaning of these, of these jobs and understand that. And I found myself, uh, in, in this process while, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic hit. So, um, I started really, um, you know, uh, attending, uh, a lot of career fairs and also, uh, talk to a lot of career coaches and stuff to uh, try to understand that. And that got me, uh, you know, uh, to the, to the realization that, you know, putting together all these notes and stuff would then lead, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to just put together a lot of content and then to, to write a book. Yeah. 
And uh, these career fairs you mentioned, these you know these types of, of of events, were they offered by by your university, or did you have to go looking? Uh, you know, was that something that was like easy to get to? Uh, it was normally uh, um, organized by our uh, universities uh, in the three uh, I institution kind of area. So um, I think this was really easy for me to find, but also in mm-hmm. the New York City landscape, there's a really a lot That's of uh, interesting uh, kind of events that I could attend. And you know, nowadays with uh, COVID and everything, that made it really easier because you could go and attend as many as events as you wanted <laughs> and, from, uh, from your living room. Yeah. From your living room, basically. <laughs> so that was easy and uh, it was nice as well. Cool. And um, now, thinking, uh, you know, you, you, uh, I don't, I don't uh, recall how long you've been in the states, but you came from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a feeling of uh, how easy it would have been to have had the same contacts, the same networking happen if you had stayed in Europe? Um, well, yeah, I think probably in the US was um, an easier thing to do because I think the, uh, you know, you know, the culture, everybody speaks the same language, uh, whereas mm-hmm. in Europe is a little bit more complex with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in my experience, for instance, in Austria, um, I mean, it was easy to move there and adapt, but of course you need to speak another language relatively well. And mm-hmm. uh, that could be a little bit of a obstacle or um, to, to, yeah, actually network and, you know, get to know new people uh, sometimes. Although, of course, in academia, everybody, everyone, you know, speaks English uh, on their everyday job. But mm-hmm. I think in the US probably was, that was easier as a process, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, the other question that I had was um, how, and thinking of people listening who are thinking of maybe going to the states, how is it? How easy was it to, uh, you know, to settle down, to find, you know, to get find your tribe, to find your routine once you got to the to the states? Absolutely. So um, I think, yeah, I, I would start first, you know, the way I got the job. So basically that was a kind of a fun story. So mm-hmm. I was presenting in uh, San Francisco at a, at a conference, um, you know, the results of my previous postdoc. Uh, so I was there with my former colleagues and stuff. And then, uh, you know, by networking with other um, people and also other PIs, I got to talk to uh, my actually, you know, my current boss. Uh, so it was like a really informal kind of interview and network event and uh, uh, at some point uh, at this conference and at some point uh, we decided yeah why don't we give it a try and uh, you come Mm. to my lab so I think you know the job uh, hunting process was really relatively easy uh, in these uh, networking events and conferences and things Mm -hmm. So uh, then the, uh, there was in uh, 2018, so the, the year af- after I uh, arrived here. And I think the move itself, it was not as complicated um, as, as before as I thought um, mm-hmm. it would. Uh, because, um, yeah, I mean, o- o- although it was one of the furthest mo- move I did, um, um, mm-hmm. you know, language is kind of straightforward and uh, stuff is easy. But of course, you know, it took a bit to uh, understand also the system because it's, mm. you know, way different from uh, from Europe, you know, find, finding an apartment, you know, also the health system is a little bit more complex. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. all these kind of uh, bureaucracy stuff was really complicated to understand at the beginning. 
everything. So it took a lot of, uh, you know, learning curve at the beginning to understand. Uh, and also, you know, you come to a new city and you need to uh, also adapt to a new working environment and new colleagues and things. So yeah. it was a little bit also overwhelming at the beginning, but still, you know, a nice challenge. Um, mm. So it took a little bit there, but I think overall it was it was kind of easy um, mm -hmm. to yeah adapt to to the new uh, colleagues and work environment. Yeah. So you'd recommend it if someone uh, where you know wherever in Europe it could be Italy, it could be Portugal, wanting to to come to New York. The the research uh, environment is is vibrant, for, of course. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely vibrant, very vibrant, and uh, that's uh, that's what I I really you know liked about it uh, because like for instance, as you might imagine, like you during your postdoc, you probably don't learn a lot. Uh, it's more like during your masters and your PhDs when you have this learning uh, curve, like uh, which goes mm -hmm. up logarithmically, and. Um, these I found it was not the case here. So, for instance, during my first postdoc, I was learning quite a bit, but definitely not as much as here. So, uh, okay. here I had like, you know, the first year was really pure learning. So I really recommend to anyone looking into, um, you know, get uh, a better grasp on their, on their research career to come here for, for a little bit of time. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that helps a lot, I must say. All right. So. Let's talk about. Uh, uh, I love the image of the sa the salmon leap, you know, because kind of <laughs> leaping against the current. <laughs> yeah. But um, let's talk about the the salmon leap for PhDs, and uh, you know, I, I find it super interesting that you along the way were meeting people, going to events, and and taking notes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just I just like to for you to kind of give um, kind of a, a you know a thirty thousand feet view of the of the book itself but also of some of the key things that made you first think of writing a book and, and say, okay, I, I have material and I have ideas. And then what those main, main ideas were and why they were important for you. I think uh, one of the, um, you know, very much interesting uh, drivers for me to drive this, to, to really write this book was, um, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, transitioning to, to an industry post is such a big topic in academia. It's just incredible. And, you know, it feels like if you talk to like, uh, friends or peers or partners outside academia, they wouldn't understand it. And they would be like, wow, that's, you know, you're just hunting for a new job. Mm -hmm. But I, understood it was not the case and uh, so I wanted to create a tool a little bit to uh, facilitate this process uh, and I think uh, in the process I was writing this was also important for me to uh, sum up and understand so I think uh, you know I envision that as a, as a, a toolkit to, uh, for okay. scientists to uh, you know try to uh, understand a little bit the uh, industry and the private landscape uh, and also to prepare better uh, for that so i think there was the whole like whole idea around it and um yeah i think that's you know the whole journey was was really interesting and uh, i think it made a lot of fun just meeting a lot of people networking and studying a lot of inter informational interviews mm -hmm. uh, which was extremely useful for me but also like it created a lot of content for the book as well so uh, there's a lot of advice in there uh, that they're really useful for scientists looking into this leap mm -hmm. upstream yeah, and uh, just a question uh, because I, I haven't been able to read the book itself. But the question is: Is it geared more towards people in sciences, or does it also apply to people in humanities, social sciences? 
Yeah, pleased to everyone. Uh, of course, it's it's a very much more geared towards uh, scientists. Um, but uh, you know, if, if you if you look at the book, at the index especially, it's uh, it's talking about a lot about a study with a, a value assessment process, which is okay. important for everyone. And then it goes more into specific uh, things such as uh, crafting a nice and lean CV and application materials, uh, trying to understand link- LinkedIn a little bit more, which is mm-hmm. very important for scientists. I find, uh, you know, probably 20% of my colleagues have LinkedIn, which is kind of, uh, you know, like crazy. If you think about it, everyone has a research gate, but mm-hmm. uh, LinkedIn mm-hmm. is not such a thing for scientists. And unfortunately, it's a, or fortunately, it's, a, you know, very important tool to get a job so uh, especially in industry so I'm, I'm going through that as well and then uh, you know I'll get some advice also to prepare for uh, apart from in- informational interviews but also for actual interviews so it's really like a good tool for um, any kind of PhDs to be honest. Yeah and uh, you're mentioning the, the fact that not so many uh, scientists are on LinkedIn and it, it, it's true that it's it's um, it's kind of a maybe a lost opportunity the, the the more you take time to get on there because today you know there's so much talk about knowledge transfer startups you know deep tech uh, science becoming business and i i do agree with you that uh, having a, a profile on linkedin is a big plus to open doors just to just to contact just to net for networking it's 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 awesome but then things can transpire with all this networking that happens that's very geared towards jobs or, or business so yeah i agree absolutely and uh yeah the important uh, fact is that, that you really need to uh, know how to use it a little bit and uh so that's uh yeah that's what you know these advice are for yeah mm-hmm. now you mentioned uh having a, a, a certain amount a certain number of informational interviews and mm-hmm. um yeah i actually see the podcast as i'm doing kind of informational interviews <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on lieu of of the listeners who are you know doing their thing and, and that they can <laughs> pop in and listen to to the the guest story, but my question to you is, um, do you have and, and uh, you know I just uh, if you don't have a, an answer, it's fine. But do you have one conversation that you remember and that, that was like a, that was a wow moment for you and that gave you a bunch of material or that that gave you a new idea that that you were kind of not expecting or that we, that you were uh, really inspired by I can think of uh, two uh, specific ones. Um, I had one with a, a, a clinical research associate uh, from uh, Switzerland, uh, who's then, you know, who then became uh, actually a, a friend and stayed in my network. And I think that was a good one uh, because I really did not understand. I, I really was looking into a non-bench kind of transition, so I was looking mm-hmm. into you know, something else uh, outside the classic, you know, R&D scientist position. So I was contacting people like uh, into, uh, you know, med- medical um, uh, science liaisons, MSL mm-hmm. or these uh, clinical research associate and trying to understand what their days, uh, you know, looked like. Um, so I think I can remember this one uh, that uh, this person explained to me uh, really much what uh, her job was about and uh, I really understood that it just wasn't for me. And mm-hmm. I think uh, this was a, 
positive and uh, negative outcome both i think it, it was overall positive because i really understood that you know i i i, I would just you know uh, sh- should not waste my time mm, looking into that so mm-hmm. i think there was a there was a good one although uh, you know pos- um, possibly the, the outcome was was negative whereas if i can think an, about another one mm, there was an a scientist uh, in the in the UK that I had uh, this inter- information interview with, and uh, I think instead, with her, the conversation was was uh, really nice. Understood pretty much what uh, she was doing, and uh, I also understood that uh, possibly uh, my skills were would align to uh, that kind mm-hmm. of job. So that I think that was really useful overall. Uh, and also, what I, I could take home a little bit more was that. Uh, you know, her experience in a transition from a postdoc to this position, which was, um, you know, a lot of, uh, kind of, uh, advice in regards to, uh, salary negotiation and mm-hmm. uh, what people look into when they, um, actually, um, you know, a recruit for this uh, kind of position as scientists. So I think there was a really good one, uh, as well, but, uh, you know, I had a, a bunch uh, of, mm-hmm. of talks with a lot of people. So I think that really helped overall to understand and how to focus also my, my job hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talk, uh, often during, during, uh, interviews, uh, especially with people who are in career placement, um, we've talked about this this concept of uh, informational interviews, and given that you have have some practice at doing them, um, you know, thinking again of the listener that's out there, maybe feeling, oh, I don't want to bug, uh, you know, I don't want to be, uh, um, I don't want to take that per- the person's time, or they won't have time for me. Um, can you give two or three pointers on how to? address someone for a, a, an, inter- an informational interview but also how to prepare so um i think for me it was uh, it was really important uh, first of all as a process to you know get myself out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. i think this was so important for me because i don't know i think as academics in general we really tend to uh, you know close down ourselves in these ivory towers or labs and to some extent, these translates into also hanging out only with your colleagues and things. Yeah. And I think this is wrong to some extent because you just, you know, need to uh, meet, you know, diverse people outside work. And, uh, and that's really important. So I think the first take home message for me was, uh, just to get out of my comfort zone. And, mm-hmm. uh, this helped a lot. Um, to reach out to people uh, and um, prepare these informational interviews. And of course, um, you know, I try to always to keep a really, you know, open and positive mindset within that. And um, I always try to be curious about uh, what's and looking forward what's, uh, to, to the conversations we were about to have. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you find it kind of fascinating, but uh, people are very much, uh, you know, open to help, to be honest. I mean, that, that's what I found out. So uh, to um, address your question to the listeners is, um, 
yeah i mean um if you once you you push yourself out there and you uh, just try to uh, ask people for their time they'll be you know more than happy to help and that that was also for me like uh something surprising because i was as as you as you mentioned i was like oh i don't wanna um you know bother these people and stuff like that i didn't feel confident uh in uh, in asking uh you know their time to talk to me and stuff but actually you know they've been through that as well they were uh, you know in your shoes before so they they're really you know more than happy to uh, help you out so that was kind of surprising for me like Matteo you will be surprised how willing people out there are to help someone following in their footsteps not everyone you'll reach out to will be available but a lot of them will do a quick search on LinkedIn and try reaching out to someone whose career path you admire that's the point of such a platform I then went on to ask Matteo about specific questions one should ask in an informational interview. But before going back to the interview, I just want to let you know of a promotion offer that I received for all of the Papa PhD listeners. If you need graphics or animations for your research, or if you're creating scientific content of any kind, Scientist Studio reached out to me to offer 10% off of any of their services, from whiteboard animations and script writing, to social media management, and conference launch packages. To get the 10% off, all you need to do is go to scientist.studio with two T's, the link is in the show notes, and use the promo code PAPAPHD in one word at checkout. And now, back to our interview. Now, about particular questions, you talked about uh, talking salary. And when you come out uh, of graduate school, in my in my case, I had no, no sort of... Uh, uh, point of reference for discussing these things. Um, how did that conversation come up in your inter- informational interviews? And you know how can how can the listeners approach this tactfully to to get some important insight on you know what maybe to ask when the, when they get an interview? Let's say. Of course, I think uh, every person needs to prepare a little bit in advance uh, because also you know you don't wanna you don't wanna just show up and uh, waste those uh, you know these people's time to be honest so Precisely. it's uh, <laughs> it's important to to prepare a little bit and uh, to this extent I would say you know uh, just try to uh, write down some uh, some questions you have I mean surely an important one would be like how's your everyday job look like uh, because of course if you don't have, uh, if you have no idea what this job uh, is about you, you know you need to know if you're interested in it and uh, also you can uh, depending whom you're uh, talking to but you also can ask about uh, that company if you're interested in joining the company and stuff um, I, I think the point of a salary probably comes a little bit towards the end but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, tools out there that help you benchmark in that I mean there's a Glassdoor and other and other websites are really you know good benchmark for in regards to salary and, mm-hmm. uh, and numbers so uh, I think on uh, probably on on your first information interview, I wouldn't be asking that necessarily. I would be more curious to understand really what their job looked like. What's, you know, if, uh, you know, traveling is involved or like, uh, you know, if they have to um, kind of uh, network or talk with a lot of people uh, within the team, uh, how the overall structure of their uh, work mm-hmm. life looks like. So I think that's, that's the most thing like, 
I was really um, you know caring about and uh, I prepared for that and uh, you know in 30 minutes you can get a lot of information out of it so it was kind of nice and as you say people you know some people are, will be busy and say no but a lot of people and you've talked of, of LinkedIn people on LinkedIn are always 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 available to help anyone who kind of wants to follow the same path as they did yeah. it it's flattering in a way and it allows them to give back so i, I totally agree with you mm -hmm. now one point that you mentioned before uh when, when i asked you about you know important conversations so here you just talked about you know having kind of a a certain list of questions or points that you want to cover in your informational interview But you mentioned that two conversations that you've had were at opposite poles of, okay, this job, I know I'm, I don't want it for me. It, it's not a good fit for me. And this one, okay, it's a fit. What weight um, would you say this question of, is this job aligned with my values, with my interests? How important is that part of identifying, okay, this is somewhere where I can go work and I'll thrive? Or... Okay, I have I you know my CV my resume fits all the criteria, but there's something either about the culture of the the company or just about the day to day itself. How important do you think this is for the a successful transition? Sure. So, uh, value assessment, I think, for me was uh, one of the uh, first and foremost important thing to do. So, uh, first of all, I try to assess my values in such a way. There's there's a lot of tools out there. I mean, if you think about the this uh, my uh, IDP, this is a tool that it's organized by by the guys from uh, science. Uh, but also, I found out there's a lot of other tools such as uh, career therapy cards or these kind of things. So, okay. uh, no, it's really interesting interesting because you get to understand a little bit more about your values your skills and what you want for your future career first and i think that's something that you should uh, try to understand before you know even getting there so this should be like almost clear clear almost mm -hmm. but um after that i think also for me was important to understand and that's that's also like a way i uh, actually divided the book into so um I wanted to understand whether for me it was uh, more interesting to have a bench-based work or a non-bench. So mm -hmm. basically by understanding also, you know, all the uh, positions out there, I, I actually went for the bench-based job because okay. uh, I kind of liked it. I kind of, uh, you know, I feel more comfortable with it and stuff. So I think these two things were really um, kind of uh, important to understand uh, which one of these, uh, for instance, two examples were, were really interesting for me. So I understood that I wanted to have a bench job, probably, you know, kind of not 100%, but probably 50 to 60% a bench and then The rest of my time, I would love to uh, like probably give presentations or analyze data or also uh, write protocols and stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. uh, possibly at that time, uh, a non-bench job, just uh, fully, for instance, consulting or venture capital or this kind of stuff was not interesting for me. So uh, uh, once I understood this and once I understood that also what my my values were and my skill set was uh, lying, uh, I think the choice was way easier than, than mm -hmm. it was in Uh, in the past because I really did not you know kind of think about it corroborate um, and understood the uh, what I wanted for my next career step so I think this was really important a lot of self-assessment and self-introspections there mm -hmm. yeah and and this this may this uh, meant that 
your you would spend your energies once you you have figured that out you'd ver- be very focused on how you spent your energies in this search and you would not spend it in in domains that were out of that value sure uh, which is also yeah. super useful for you right so you don't waste time like applying go. for jobs that you don't want uh, you, so I, I agree totally and you you say something that's really that I find is really important which which is we think about uh, it's easy to think about this question of career exploration or career building uh you, you, it's easy to think about it as something that is you know that you you find on the outside you you open your eyes and you need to to look and there's so much that takes part that that that, that happens inside that you need to do before alone you know with some tools that that you mentioned that i imagine some of them are in your book but it's yeah. you know on your desk figuring out what your values are and and uh, you know what you don't want to do so and then you cross it out and you don't spend time there uh, i i find it really really cool Absolutely. and maybe i I'd, I'd want you to uh, to share is uh the just the structure of the book you mentioned it en passant mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the the main uh, the main chapters let's say or the main uh, sections that people can find in in uh, the mm-hmm. salmon leaf for PhDs. Sure, absolutely. So it's it starts with um, um, an introduction. As I said, I, I think the first thing for me was really to understand self assessment and value kind of uh, situation in which you um, you know you know one want to find yourself in. And I think this is uh, covered a little bit in the first chapter. And um, I think um, after that, I really go into more uh, details and I rather um, um, cover a little bit the topic of uh, networking and um, how to network before you actually need it. Mm -hmm. So uh, trying to network a little bit in advance before you actually need a job and then trying to understand uh, what's uh, waiting out there for you. And I think I really cover a little bit of uh, details there. Also talking um, a bit about the hidden job market and how to uh you know tap into that mm-hmm. and um after uh, i really um go uh, as we said i really explain a little bit on um, um linkedin and tr- uh, how to um you know like have a really nice the, the, yeah, linkedin yeah. for for scientists right <laughs> And um, that's that's uh, really important. And then once you once you understand and uh, you try to um, have a little bit of an online presence, you also, it's also important to uh, tap into the career options that are good for you. And as we mentioned before, uh, I really divided that into bench based and a non bench based mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, I also uh, try to list uh, a lot of um, you know jobs that a lot of people don't understand, like quality control scientists. Uh, manufacturing okay. scientists, this process development scientists, what, what the hell is that? I, I really, I really not understand this as, you know, as <laughs> academics, we are not, you know, to some extent prepared to that. Uh, it's nobody... a whole vocabulary that, that we don't have. It's another, yeah, it's kind of exactly, another world. Exactly. It's, it's really weird. So I try to cover <laughs> that to, you know, make a little bit of clarity. Okay. And uh, then I go into some, um, some uh, skill to identify skills gaps uh, that you have for a successful transition and how to fill it. 
And um, then, of course, the information and interview is a, is a big chapter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then I get a little bit more in details with, um, so to say, your, the marketing material um, that you have, so your resume and cover letter. So I'll give us some examples there, which are actually uh, kind of interesting and uh, really important in the, in the career process and in uh, the application process. And uh, towards uh, the end of the book, I also, of course, uh, get into real interviews and uh, how to prepare for that. Uh, I also have a little, um, you know, some paragraphs about uh, Zoom interviews because that's <laughs> what you get nowadays, right? <laughs> so uh, I also uh, cover that a little bit. And um, towards uh, the very end of uh, the book, I also talk about negotiation. So a little bit of uh, salary negotiation there. I uh, attended some uh, some courses uh, with, with that. There's a lot of um, you know uh, psychology also happening. So mm-hmm. that's really important to uh, also try to understand that once you receive uh, an offer. And then, um, yeah, after the final remarks um, and things, I just uh, give some references and uh, other tools and uh, resources for people to, um, you know, just uh, manage their transition and uh, a career that being, they, they want to be proud of. It, it sounds like a really cool and, and, and you know, thorough toolkit I, I i wish i had had it at the end of my phd um <laughs> but uh, you, had, you said some things uh, and, and thank you for for presenting that i think it gives the listeners a good idea you know of, of what they're they're expecting uh, when they when they get the book mm-hmm. um and um i think they all make sense and the the, the follow-up is really good now you mentioned two things uh one is the hidden job market i i mm-hmm. i, I want to talk about that mm-hmm. and um the second was identifying uh, skill gaps There's a few mm-hmm. minutes and, uh, left to the interview but mm-hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit yeah about what is this hidden job market absolutely so um as uh, um, as they said as you find also in uh, in uh, a lot of articles and stuff we know that within companies uh there's a lot of um you know vacancies uh, i mean people uh, leave and come and uh, many of these uh vacancies are not really advertised in a, in the traditional way as we know mm-hmm. it so I think uh, that's uh, pretty much the definition of the hidden job market. And they, they talk about uh, 20% of jobs that are, are oh, really wow. not advertised uh, publicly as, as you would expect them to be. So I think it's a, it's a kind of a good percentage uh, of, uh, of things that uh, you should be aware of. And how to access to these, of course, it's uh, through knowing people, as always, okay. again. So the <laughs> classic, <laughs> the classic informational interviews uh, that uh, can really refer you when, um, you know, a colleague is leaving or a colleague is, is just uh, proceeding on their career ladder. And I think it's really important. Uh, so that's, that's another point for the informational interviews. It's really important to understand first what you want to do, but it's really also great to network with these people that would probably keep you in mind when uh, such uh, you know occasions really yeah. come along the way so that's that's good well and we're reaching towards the end and, and uh, there's some some things I'd, I'd like to cover uh, one thing is is to let you you know tell the listeners where they can find the book we'll, we'll get there in a minute but mm-hmm. now we're, we're now in the middle of the COVID pandemic and you will agree with me that for job searchers it's it's tough at this at this time I, I guess it's a good moment for that introspection, 
But what's your take mm-hmm. on that? What are some some pieces of advice you can give people who may be who may be discouraged? Uh, they you know they've uh, they've applied to a couple of positions and they you know they weren't selected for some reason. And you know what what would be a strategy to make the most of these strange times that we're these strange times that we're living through right now? I know, I know, it's really complicated right now. I think um, to make the most of it. Um, Surely, uh, you know, the introspection part is really important, but also uh, work on your application material is also really one of the uh, things I really uh, suggest um, job seekers to do. And, uh, you know, it's also good that uh, we can attend a lot of courses and stuff to get better at that. So I think investing a little bit of time uh, in, uh, uh, you know, towards your application materials, but also towards uh, understanding what you want to do, it's really important here. And also, again, uh, uh, information on interviews. These are really important and, you know, everybody's at home right now. So it's really, it's much easier to get a yes Mm -hmm. uh, towards that and building your network slowly into, uh, you know, towards that direction, I think is really important right now. And, you know, it's uh, discouraging sometimes to get a lot of uh, rejections, but, you know, you still need to keep your open mindset and just trying to understand, you know, have uh, be resilient and, you know, keep on, uh, you know, working towards uh, something that you want. So I think uh, although the times are a little bit scary and uh, difficult for everyone, uh, you know, that's that's how it is. Yeah. Actually, uh, one last little question, because these yeah. things of rejections... Uh, Things can go differently. You can just get a no and then get no feedback, but you can get something out of a rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what I did also in the past, actually, uh, um, I, I really asked. I really, I really uh, got back to these uh, to the HR people uh, that uh, sometimes rejected me for some uh, uh, positions that I really I, 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 I thought I was really fitting uh, very well, and I really asked, uh, you know what was missing on my CV and some of them replied to me and uh, they said uh, probably your level of seniority is not enough or this kind of thing so you you, you also understand uh, how to modify uh, things a little bit and uh, I think that's that's a positive process also there so you can take a positive uh, a positive out of that negative uh, Matteo I you know it's clear that you've thought about this a lot uh, I, I'm really happy to Indeed. to have you share all this, this cool and and very pertinent and very timely knowledge uh, with with my listeners. Now, uh, where can they find uh, the Salmon Leap for for PhDs? So it's uh, sold on uh, Amazon. So wherever you are, pretty much you'll be able to get it, uh, which is great. Uh, that uh, you know it covers you know a lot of uh, nationalities and things. So it's uh, you know languages in English, so mm-hmm. everyone should understand mm-hmm. it. So I think in, yeah on Amazon. And uh, I decided to um, uh, you know since we're getting closer to Black Friday week, I decided to push down the price a little bit. Okay. So I think it's a it's a nice idea now to get it. Okay. for everyone very cool this uh will not air before black friday but i'll make sure to <laughs> uh to, to go to go on the social uh on the social media and and right. make some promotion for you before that <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing but cool so on amazon it's easy the salmon leap for phds matteo tardelli you don't even because well, there's two t's and two l's but if they look for the salmon leap for phd you'll find it uh, I think it's yeah. pro- it's on Kindle too, right? For people who have Kindle, exactly. exactly. So it's super, Both paper super and Kindle, easy. Yeah. 
from uh, the conversation that we had, it's clear to me that there's a lot of. It's really a toolkit. You'll you'll find you'll find in the book not only examples, not only stories, but also tools and strategies to make you work towards that transition. And like we we just said, this this is a, a process. You will be rejected. As the same as you, some people will say no for uh, for informational interviews. Just don't take it personally. Take the mo- the most positive out of it if you can. You know, go and 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 ask for some feedback so you can have some some uh, some learn you know some learning points from that experience and then build up and be better at the at the next uh, at the next step. Uh, uh, Mateo, this was a great pleasure. Um, I I, I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, and uh, and I want to thank you for for your time and then for coming on the show. Thank you for nice chat. And that's it for this week. I hope you feel more confident about your job hunt right now and that you have some actionable items to follow up with. If you want to dig deeper into the points Matteo mentioned during our conversation, go buy his book. The Amazon link is in the show notes. And now it's podcast discovery time. And this week I'm bringing you a very funny science comedy podcast, Petri Dish, and another great podcast covering all aspects of the PhD life. Wise grad, roll the tape. Ich bin ein science, science, cannabinoids, genetics, coronavirus, dogs. This is Petri Dish. Science, science. We're a science podcast exploring complex subjects with clarity and evil humor. Join the scientific revolution. Join Petri Dish, dropping every Monday on anchor.fm slash Petri Dish. Hey, I'm Sanjay. Welcome to Wisegrad. This is the go-to podcast for everyone interested in, currently stuck in, or recently exited the academic world. So it's for students and students at life. Here we'll discuss topics ranging from overcoming academic obstacles to finding jobs to navigating the imminent midlife crisis. I call it the podcast for motivated procrastinators. So if you're super driven but can't seem to get the car started, this podcast is definitely for you. And that's it for this week. Thank you for being a true fan. I'll be expecting you next week with another great guest. So happy listening and happy sharing. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Hey.